Welcome back to another episode of the Sex Mentors Podcast. Hey, on this episode, I got a few things uh, that I want to cover. And the first of which is something that is going to be a little more serious in nature. It's getting on a topic that needs to be discussed. And that is talking a little bit about depression. Because depression is going to happen to everybody at some point. But the worst thing that you can do uh, when it comes to depression is trying to hide it from your spouse. See, your spouse is supposed to be there for you. They're your rock. They're the ones that you're supposed to be able to lean on during periods of hard time. And so if you find that you are getting into a state where you're feeling depressed, you need to communicate that with your spouse. I don't care if you're the guy and you think that you're supposed to be all macho and everything, or if you're the woman in the relationship and you're thinking, well, he's got a lot on his plate already. I, I I can't bother him with this. You need to communicate your feelings and what it is uh, that you think is call- causing you to be depressed. And even if you don't know what the cause of your depression is, then you should still be willing to go through and communicate that. You know, you should be willing to go through and talk about that because Depression, if left untreated, is going to fester and it's going to cause a lot of more problems down the road and create a never-ending cycle. And so you need to be thinking a little bit about your mental health. And there are things that you can do to try and help out uh, with your mental health if you are feeling uh, like you're going through a period of depression. Now, if your spouse is depressed they may try and hide it from you. And they may have various reasons to want to hide it from you. It may be because uh, feelings of shame, denial about what it is, or they think that they just need to put you before themselves, that their own thoughts and feelings and all of that just doesn't matter because they're the giver in the relationship. And so this is where you need to be making sure that You're paying attention and focusing on what's going on with your spouse and check for signs that there are changes going on, you know, changes in behavior, um, you know, unusual mood swings. Go, You know, if there's a man in your life and he's going through some things, maybe it's a midlife crisis and starts, you know, really becoming irresponsible compared to what they have been. Or, you know, just any real drastic changes in their behavior. You need to be on the lookout for that and start wondering what is going on. Because some people try to go through and hide their depression. You know, they try to hide it by doing things uh, uncharacteristic uh, that they claim they're doing so because it's fun, live a little, yada, yada, yada. Or they go off on a huge spending spree and become irresponsible with money all of a sudden uh, in order to try and medicate uh, their depression through the buying of stuff, right? And some of the changes could be suddenly, you know, becoming uh, a perfectionist, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over again because, well, they need to get it just right and it's not right. Or maybe uh, on the exact opposite, it's procrastination. Well, I guess perfectionism and procrastination is kind of the same thing. But perfectionism, they at least are pretending like they're doing something and just repeating the task, claiming that it's just not right. But procrastination, they put off doing anything. This is where they end up just binge-watching TV. This is where they, you know go off and try to avoid, you know, very specific activities. And maybe it's because those activities are causing them uh, to be depressed. Or maybe they're just suddenly closed off. They go from being, you know, very social, life of the party type person, and now they become distant or distracted all the time. You know, can't really focus and off in their own world. Now, it's true that some of these may be because they're starting a new business venture or they have a big decision and they don't know what it is uh, they should do, and therefore they're putting things off because they can't make up their mind. You know, and that is, you know, quite possible as well. 
So when you go through, you know, and see changes in your spouse, you know, don't just go off and automatically accuse them. Hey, I think you're depressed. We need to talk about this. You need to go to them with an open mind to try and figure out what's wrong. You know, what's going on? You know, what is there really an issue or is it just a period of indecision about something uh, business related? You know, and, you know, in some strange uh, cases, it might be that your spouse is really not good at keeping secrets and you have a birthday coming up with a surprise party. And so they're just avoiding you in order to avoid ruining the surprise. I get that. But. All in all, you know, when it comes uh, to depression, you need to safeguard against it. So if you find yourself getting into a period of your life where you're feeling depressed and, you know, you're just not yourself, some of the things that you should do is, one, exercise. Exercise is a great mood booster. It's a great energy booster. And it's a great stress reliever. So exercise is one of the best things uh, that you can do. Now, with depression, you'll probably want to couple that with things like meditation. Yeah, I know, I know. Meditation may sometimes seem like one of those hokey things, you know. It's like, oh, my God, is that, you know, for real? Are you really going to talk about, you know, uh, you know, meditation? You know, what is this, a Buddhist? No, no, no. But meditation is really about, you know, clearing your thoughts, giving your mind a break, and focusing on one particular thing. It's about, you know, your mind, and your mind is about mental health, and depression is a mental health issue. And so there are uh, plenty of apps out there that can help guide you through meditation, or, you know, just go through and, you know, just clear your mind. Take five minutes a day to think about nothing, you know, or at least nothing in particular, and just See what random thoughts come through your mind. Now, sometimes depression is just a result of nothing more than sleeping disorder, right? And I know this because this is something that I have to deal with, and I go through periods of insomnia where I just can't seem to sleep, and yet I am always tired and dragging, uh, you know, all the time, but... When I go to bed, I just can't go to sleep and stay asleep. I'm tossing and turning. I can look at you know my uh, sleep data from my Fitbit, and I can tell you that my quality of sleep sucks. You know, or how much sleep I get, you know, is not all that great. And I can tell when I'm not getting enough sleep. And that's where taking you know supplements uh, like melatonin, you know some natural supplements. You know, don't go for pharmaceutical stuff, but going for natural supplements and getting yourself back into being able to sleep is going to be good for you. You know, it's something that's going to you know help you out and get you back. You know, because if the issue is just a sleeping problem, well, that is easy enough to fix. But do not hide your depression. Open up, communicate about it, and let your partner, you know, your spouse, be there for you and help you through it. Okay, so now that we're done uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into today's show. Now, just a little bit of a fair warning here. Uh, there is a little bit of, I don't know, political issues uh, that will be going on in this episode. I try to avoid politics in this and stick to, you know, my political show for all things politics. But this is something that had come up here and it's something that's come up in the past as well. But I I figured it was good uh, since it's being resurfaced to kind of talk about it again. And some of that has to do with what they're calling woke culture. Woke. I mean, that's one of those really stupid things that people come up with, you know, stupid phraseology. Oh, are you woke? You know, which I guess is supposed to be shorthand for awake. And yet the people who claim to be woke are awake and that anybody who disagrees with them is asleep and, you know, not awake to what's going on. You know, it's one of those, you know, phraseologies that people come up with to try and, you know, state that anybody who disagrees with them is only disagreeing out of complete ignorance, even if the person who's claiming to be woke is taking a position that is sparked by pure ignorance. 
you know, the way people can phrase things in order to try and make themselves feel intellectually or morally superior is, well, self-delusion is one of the great things of mankind, I guess. You know, and those who try to go through and claim that they're part of the woke crowd, well, self-delusion has become an art form for them. But in this particular instance, you know, there was an article uh, that uh, has come out that has a lot of people on the left side of politics, you know, uh, who claim to be woke, outraged. You know, and this is more particular to the so-called woke feminists who are outraged because they find out that men don't want to date a woke woman. And think about that for a moment. Why would you want to date somebody whose entire philosophy is you suck, right? I mean, that's the entire philosophy of the woke woman movement. You know, the third wave feminist is that all of the world's problems uh, are the result of men. Men suck. We hate men. And then you wonder, because you're, you know, straight, you know, and so you don't like, you know, uh, women, other women sexually. You don't want to, you know, dive face first into another woman's vagina. And so you like the anatomy of men, you know, because that's where you derive your pleasure and sexual tr uh, attraction. But yet you want to claim that men suck. And then you wonder why men don't want to date you. You know, it, it's one of those, you know, situations where, you know, you wonder how is it that they're claiming that they're woke? And by the way, you know, if you're going off and trying to say that men suck and you think that any guy is just a misogynistic pig, well, why is it that you're upset that they don't want to date you anyways? I mean, think about that for a moment. You think that they're a horrible, disgusting person, and then you're mad that they won't date you. What kind of logic or sense does that make? I mean, that's just like saying, hey, you know, you know uh, I'm trying to figure out the best analogy for it, but there really isn't any analogy that's better at, ex uh, at explaining about how ludicrous this is, you know, for people to be upset. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to marriage and when it comes to a relationship, you actually do have to have things in common and sh have shared values in order for it to work, in order for it to be a great relationship. You can't, you know, have a relationship in which you are, you know, completely different, where you have nothing in common, you hate everything about each other, but, you know, all of a sudden expect that your marriage is going to work. I mean, that is the type of self-delusion that is off the charts, if that is your thinking. And so here's the question for any of the woke third-wave feminists. What do you care if men won't date you if you don't like anything about those men, right? What, what, what type of, you know, egotistical, you know, uh, logic is this? You know, is it that, you know, you think that you're so hot, you're so beautiful, every guy should want to date you regardless of your personality or philosophy of life? I, you understand how that sounds as I say this back to you. And hopefully any uh, women out there, you know, this is not meant to, you know, be offensive or anything. This is just meant to be unfiltered truth. I mean, you come here and listen, you know, for my opinions and my advice. And I take a look at the stats. And as long as you're marking out, you know, whatever information, you know, through your, you know, through whatever app that you're listening to this through, I know that there is a lot of women who listen to the show. And as I stated from day one, I'm not going to give you politically filtered advice to tell you what you want to hear. I'm just giving you everything straightforward, unfiltered. And so when you go through and you take a look at this, you know, hopefully it makes sense. You know, what I'm saying that you have to have things in common and that you can't just say you suck and then go, Oh, now you suck because you won't date me, but you suck because you're a man. I, nobody wants that, that type of thing. And nobody's going to date someone whose, you know, core beliefs or values are completely opposite. They may go through and be willing to, you know, have a nice one night stand with you. But as far as long term relationship, you got to have some things in common. 
you know, and some of the things that you need to have in common when you, you know, are looking at long-term relationship material, um, do you have shared religious beliefs or are you both non-religious, right? That's one thing. You can't have it where one of you is a devout religious person and the other one is, you know, completely atheist and then expect there not to be any tension in the relationship or, you know, expect to have a great relationship, you know, that way. You can't have one that is a diehard Republican, one that is a diehard Democrat, you know, and be completely, you know, in disagreement on everything politics and expect to have a harmonious relationship as you two have completely different outlooks in life. Now, look, when I take a look at my family tree here, uh, I can take a look at my uh, grandparents. And they were from, you know, a completely different, you know, things when they were growing up and everything was completely different, right? You know, I, I could tell, you know, from their interactions, you know, and maybe it was just because of their age, you know, that th- maybe they ran out of things, you know, to kind of talk about over time. I mean, after 60 years of marriage, I mean, I guess you could run out of things to talk about if you've been married for 60 years and the last 30 years of that, you were retired. Now, now both of my grandparents have passed away uh, now. Uh, My grandpa passed away when he was 99 and my grandma passed away uh, at 93, 94, you know. So, I mean, they, they had a long marriage, you know, but it was interesting because they did kind of argue uh, quite a bit. Uh, not, you know, any serious arguments, not shouting matches or fightings, but they had uh, disagreements. And I guess it's because, you know, as they tried to explain it, our family tree, you know, where I forget which is which, but... um. I'm actually, if I take a look at uh, the family tree, you know, we take a look at the Civil War, you know, Lee and Grant. Well, both of them are in my family tree. So, I mean, I guess you could kind of take a look at that. So the Civil War, I guess uh, the joke was, uh, was continuing on. But that's, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, uh, far and beyond, you know, in this. But, you know, the point is, I mean, you don't have to you know, mindlessly agree with each other, but you have to have some common core beliefs and life philosophy. You know, now if you're single and you're looking, uh, and you're looking or, you know, engaging in so-called woke culture, yes, that will make it nearly impossible for you to find a partner of the opposite sex. Woke culture is not woke at all. It's a culture of hate and resentment. It's all about Blaming the opposites, uh, well, I guess woke culture is about, you know, avoiding, you know, responsibility and, you know, wanting everybody else to do all the work to take care of you so that you don't have to lift a finger. You know, but third wave feminism is all about resentment of men, all about resentment of the opposite sex. And that is not a very attractive quality. You know, I mean, you can get away with having a very ugly and nasty personality for a one-night stand, you know, a booty call. But if that person is going to spend any amount of time with you, if that man is going to spend any amount of time with you, you know, you need to, you know, be, you know, have an attractive personality, shall we say. You know, you can't just go off and engage in man bashing and then wonder why a man isn't going to stick around in the relationship just so that you can trash him and tell him what garbage he is. You know, it's hard to have a good relationship when you blame all of your problems on your partner for not nothing else than what genitalia they have. Not based off of what they themselves have done, what type of person they are, but just because they have a genitalia and you're told that, you know, someone of the opposite sex is always trying to oppress you or, you know, whatever. But let's take a little bit of a dive into the third wave feminism and what's becoming, you know, woke feminism. You know, and what is portrayed as the modern feminist movement is not really about, you know, women at all. It's not about women's issues. It's not about, 
things that are designed to improve a woman's life. It's a political movement that is solely for pushing left uh, leftist agendas, you know, that are really detrimental uh, to women, but uses male bashing as the basis, you know, for, you know, claiming that it's for women and then intimidation tactics to keep women in line. So maybe you've gone off and you've noticed this where, you know, they go through and, you know, have a women's march. And women's march is not actually about women or women's issues. It's about a whole host of unassociated political agenda items that when actually implemented harm women. But they go through and they, you know, unite them, you know, a bunch of angry, hateful people by trying to say all of their problems are, you know, the result of men. But then you see that there are some women who do not, you know, fall for this, you know, who do not, you know, associate with the women's movement because they know how harmful it is to women. And what happens with the women in these women's movement? They get angry at other women unless those women cave to supporting whatever they, you know, whatever the leaders of the so-called women's movement want, right? So they don't even allow women within these women's movement or third-wave feminists to have their own individual personality, thoughts, or opinions. You must go along with whatever the collective wants or you're not a strong, independent woman. Now think about that. You're not a strong, independent woman if you actually think for yourself. You're only a strong, independent woman as long as you do what the leaders or the self-appointed leaders you know, of the women's movement tell you to think, tell you to act, tell you to behave. You, know, you must fall in line or you're not a strong, independent woman. Now, I don't know, you know, maybe it's because of my male brain here where I think more with you know, logic and reasoning and less emotion. But that doesn't really make any sense to me, that unless you do what you're told, you're not a strong, independent woman. That Something about that just does not mix, just does not go together. Just one thing does not go with the other. You know, and so they go through and they intimidate other women. They try to, you know, use social pressure to put, to put them back in their place, you know, and then you know, you go through and you take a look at that. Some cave, you know, and some don't, you know, and those that cave end up regretting it because their lives are never really all that happy because they're always going through and trying to advocate for things that they don't themselves want, you know, and it's interesting. Now, if you do want to have a good and fulfilling relationship, you can't see your you know, spouse, your partner, as competition. You can't see them as the obstacle to your life's goal and ambition. You have to see them as your partner, right? I mean, a house divided against itself will never thrive. And if you're constantly creating conflict in the relationship, trying to say that it's your way or the highway, that, you know, the other person must sacrifice their life's goal and ambition to accommodate you. You know, that is a recipe for failure. But if you date with the purpose and perspective of finding somebody who you have shared values with, shared, you know, life philosophies with, shared, you know, drive and goal orientation, then you see them as your partner and which instead of competing with each other, you're feeding off of each other. You're helping each other. You're lifting each other up. That's going to be the great relationship. I mean, you can go around and take a look at uh, various relationships of people that you know in your life. You know who has a good relationship and you know who has a bad relationship. And you can tell this just by the way they interact and how happy or how miserable they seem when you're around them. And they have things in common, the people who have great successful marriages. And by the way, 
successful careers tend to be people who are very much in love, you know, and have those shared values and are working to help each other fulfill each other's goals and dreams in life. And those who are, you know, together and you can look at them and you think, wow, those two really should not have any business dating each other. You know, because they have completely different beliefs on everything. Everything's an argument. Everything is a fight. Everything is, you know, massive drama. You know, and so getting back uh, to where this began about women, uh, you know, or woke women, you know, being upset that men, you know, won't date them when they go off and they hate the type of men that won't date them. It makes absolutely no sense. And really what it comes down to when you take a look at, you know, woke coach, uh, culture, third wave feminism, or anything in which they inject politics into, you know, really what it comes down to is there's a bunch of people out there who are trying to get their five minutes of fame, trying to position themselves as some sort of expert in some sort of field, and they're using politics, you know, as a means to get there. And they don't care if what they are doing is going out there and destroying relationships, creating miserable lives, just so long as they're able to profit from it. Profit by injecting politics. And the reason why they will inject politics into the relation, into all areas of their content is just so that they can go out there and attack, you know, anybody who disagrees with them, right? So, for instance, you know, these people who want to go off and talk about pushing, you know, third wave uh, feminism out there and that every woman should, uh, you know, uh, go along with the leftist agenda of what they think a woman should be interested in, which is just, you know, apparently abortion and communism. And then if you disagree with that, well, because they position, you know, their statements wrapped into a political narrative, well, they don't have to debate you on anything that way. They don't have to go off and defend their positions and provide any source material or data or anything because all they can have to do now that they've wrapped politics or uh, the cloak of politics around their, you know, advice or, you know, what they're espousing, then the moment anybody disagrees with them, they can just respond, oh, you're a Nazi. Oh, you're a white supremacist. Oh, you're a misogynist. Oh, you're this, that, and the other thing. They just go off and call you a bunch of names, right? And then that way, anybody who is taking a look at the conversation is not actually analyzing the information, the advice, or you know whether or not anything that they're saying makes sense. They just back into their political opponents and just get into a shouting match. And of course, you know if you go completely left wing on politics, chances are it's a lot easier for you to go through and get media attention because the media loves left wing, you know, politics. They want to push that because left wing politics is about well. I'm not going to get into, you know, my political ideology uh, on that. But with what we have seen here, as people are pushing further and further towards crazy town when it comes to, you know, political ideologies, you know, especially woke culture and feminism, because they're trying to get that media attention, you know, not, not trying to provide you good advice and great relationship help. But they're trying to get off and get the media attention. So they're going crazier and crazier about what they, you know, want everyone to think and believe because apparently crazy is what gets media attention and what gets media attention drives profit, revenue and, you know, uh, money making opportunities for them. You know, and so the crazier they get, the more airtime they get on TV, and then they just go off and claim anyone who disagrees with them as a Nazi. Meanwhile, you're here, 
you know, thinking, oh, they're on TV, therefore they must be credible. They must know what they're talking about. You follow their advice, and then you wonder why you have troubles with your relationship. You wonder why it is you have problems, you know, uh, out there dating. You wonder why there's a bunch of friction in your marriage and that all you seem to do is argue and fight. Because you're not really thinking about what you want. You're thinking about what people are telling you to think and telling you uh, that you should want. And then you're trying to inject other people's opinions about how you should live your life into your relationship rather than basing your life and opinions about what type of life you should have with the one person that matters most, your partner in life. Right, so don't go off and treat your, you know, spouse as you know competition and treat them like scum, and then wonder why it is you're having problems. Right, so don't go off and fall for this woke culture crap. Take the time instead to think about what your goals are, your ambitions, your life philosophy is. You know, if you're still dating. You know, date, date to find somebody with the same, you know, core principles as you, the same core, you know, values as you and build your life together around that. Now, if you're already married and maybe you find out that there is, you know, severe, you know, significant differences in your relationship, you know, and your, you know, core ideology, that doesn't mean the relationship's over. It doesn't mean that, you know, that you need to get a divorce right this instant. Maybe it's, you just need to talk about it because you just haven't ever really had a conversation and you're just assuming, you know, what the other person thinks or believes, you know, and you never really had a meaningful conversation. And maybe you can go off and have a conversation where the two of you get together and think about what type of life you want and then build a life plan around that and build a family's uh, value. You know, now when I say family value, I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, religious values or traditional family values. No, I mean, what is your actual family values? What do you two believe about religion? You know, do you believe it? Do you not believe it? Do you, you know, have an agreement on that? What's your values on, you know, how to handle money and personal finances? What are your values on how you're going to raise kids? You know, you need to just get together, sit, talk, discuss everything, and then build a plan around that. You know, don't just make assumptions about it. And then try to see whether or not the two of you are at least close or somewhat in the proximity of each other's life values and goals, and then decide from there whether or not that's, you know, really a great relationship for you. Now, this gets really complicated if you have kids and you find out that you don't really have much in common, you know, and I really don't have any uh, real advice uh, for you about what to do if you find out, you know, after you've had a couple of kids that you really have nothing in common. I mean, that's really a decision that you'll have to make for yourself. But, you know, if you're going to go off and spend your life together, you should at least have things in common and discuss what those things are. And telling your partner that just because of the genitalia they have, they're the scum of the earth, is not the secret to a happy relationship. Okay, so Valentine's Day is coming up and it's rapidly approaching. We all know this, it's the same day every single year. It's the season of romance, and it's probably the number one reason why well, there's such a spike in childbirth uh, around November, right? I mean, we <laughs> there is no, you know, uh, mystery as to why. But let's face it: if you need a holiday for your partner to touch you, it's probably already over. I mean, Valentine's Day gets such a big hype. I mean, we know it's important, but you shouldn't be waiting for the one day of year uh, to show your spouse just how important they are to you. You know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, we think that something is only to be done one day of the year and then the rest of the year we get to kind of ignore it, be lazy about it or something. 
Now, uh, before I continue here, uh, I know I'm pretty bad at self-promotion, but, you know, if you go through and go to sexmancers.com forward slash shop, the link will be in the show notes uh, description below, you'll be able to pick up my Valentine's Day shirt, hoodie, or long sleeve. You know, and it has a pretty good message on there. You know, Valentine's Day. If you need a holiday for her to touch you, it's already over. All right, so you can pick that up along with other merchandise. It's a great way to support the show and get some, you know, uh, apparel that, you know, will be pretty funny uh, for you to wear out in public. But getting back to this and Valentine's Day, you know, Valentine's Day, you know, we need to be thinking about it as more than one day of year. I mean, you should really be going through and focusing on romance and focusing on your partner throughout the year, not just on Valentine's Day. And so here's some of the things uh, that I would suggest. Now, for Valentine's Day itself, right, it, it is on a Friday this year. So take some time to plan in advance because this Valentine's Day, you can go through and make it a three-day weekend, not just a one-day deal of, okay, I'll focus on you for today, and then the next two days you go back to business as usual. No, you can take Valentine's Day this year and turn it into a three-day event. All right, so plan in advance. Take a few moments to speak with your uh, spouse, your partner, your fiance, you know, wherever you are in your relationship. And plan it to put in and submit some PTO time from your day job, from, you know, from your employer. Take the entire day off together. You know, instead of going into work, you know, spend the day together. And as you do that, well, there are some things uh, to consider here. Now, first off, if you have kids, right, you know that getting some time alone, just the two of you to focus on, you know, your relationship is kind of hard. So if you have kids, they will be in school on Valentine's Day, depending on the weather, I guess, uh, in some parts of the country. You never know what the weather's going to do. But this would be a perfect day, you know, to go off and take some time for each other. The kids are in school. You're taking time off of work. It's just you and your spouse together for the day. And you get to do things that, well, you wouldn't otherwise normally be able to do, such as engage in some mid-morning or afternoon sex. I mean, if you have kids, then you know, you know, whether it's during the school year or during the summertime, your ability to engage in the sexual part of your relationship is usually relegated more towards uh, the evening and nighttime after you get your kids to bed and you're confident that they are asleep and that you won't wake them up. Well, here you get to engage in, you know, sexual activities during the part of the day when you're going to be the most awake, the most energetic. You know, the time when you can put in, you know, the most fun into it without having to worry about consequences. And when I say consequences, let's take a look at, you know, a particular situation here. You know, you have kids, you have to wait until they go to sleep in order for you to engage in sex. And what you do, you know, in bed, you know, whether you want to play, you know, dress up, engage in bondage, role playing, you know, um, all of that type of stuff, you know, it all takes time. It, it all adds to how much later you're awake after the kids go to sleep. And which means if you engage in a good sexual, you know, a night, you generally know that you're going to pay for it the next day by the fact that you're going to be incredibly tired. I mean, let's go ahead and take a look at it. Let's say, you know, kids get to sleep at around nine o'clock. They're not into a deep sleep until about 9.30. You start in on the foreplay. You get, you know, maybe you get dressed up, however you do it. But even if you don't do anything special, you know, you go through, you start on the foreplay, then you start having sex. And then before you know it, it's already 10.30, 11 o'clock, maybe even 11.30. And you got to get up at 6 a.m. the next day. You know 
that in order to, you know, fully enjoy, you know, sex means that you're going to be sacrificing sleep. But on Valentine's Day, it's a great excuse to take the day off of work while your kids are at school and engage in, you know, early morning, early afternoon sex where you get to take your time, have fun, be energetic, and maybe even go at it a couple of times during that day. Maybe you do it in the morning and then, you know, as usual at night. I mean, you get to, you know, enjoy, you know, sex during the daytime when you're awake and energetic. But don't make sex the only part of your Valentine's Day plans. You want to, at least for part of the day, get out of the house, just the two of you, and enjoy doing something together. And when I say enjoy doing something together, no, that doesn't mean you just go to the movies and sit and watch a movie. All right. Movies have always been, you know, this traditional date night thing. But this is a horrible day night. You can't talk. You can't focus on each other. You're just sitting next to each other watching a movie. Ooh, big deal. You know, so get out of the house, you know, for part of the day. You know, go do something. Go somewhere where the two of you can talk, play, have fun, enjoy an activity, you know, um, depending on where you live out in the country. I don't care if that just means getting out. And playing around a mini golf if you're in a state that's not really affected uh, by the winter weather. If you are in a state affected by the winter weather, find you know something you know somewhere else out of the house that is still an indoor activity that you can do. You know, just get out of the house and get away from the TV. Binge watching Netflix is not a Valentine's Day activity. You know, I mean, I get it. Maybe you want to do a Netflix and chill type of thing uh, while the kids are at school. Find something, you know, to relax. Maybe you watch, you know, like Fifty Shades of Grey uh, just to get your mind going or something. But in all, you don't waste your time watching Netflix. And with that, we should also point out that, you know, during this day, shut off your electronics. Yes. That means shutting off your computers, shutting off your tablets, even turn off your phone. Eliminate the distractions in your relationship and go through and be fully present with each other. Now, you should be taking uh, some time to do this, you know, maybe one day a week anyways, where you just shut off any and all electronics at least for a few hours. And just be present, you know, with your spouse during that time where the two of you can just enjoy each other's companies, talk, do something, anything, you know, just get rid of the electronics. Now, you know, the TV, of course, uh, will be shut off, but I get uh, that powering on uh, the TV to watch something doesn't take nearly as much effort as, you know, a computer and such in startup time. But you know, well, I guess even a computer doesn't really take a whole lot in startup time. But the whole point here is that, you know, you just spend time with each other without the distractions, without, you know, all of the notifications, the, you know, the bings, uh, the possible phone calls, the text messages, the social media, you know, get rid of it all for the day. And yes, that even means, you know, on Valentine's Day, you don't even listen to podcasts. You want to make sure you take the day for yourself. Now, with it being on Friday, you know, maybe you have, you know, Saturday and Sunday off of work as well. You know, for a lot of you, including me, you know, we don't work weekends. You know, we just have a Monday through Friday for a day job. So therefore, you know, try this, you know, uh, for a change. Spend the entire weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with the computers off, with all the electronics turned off so that you can just spend the entire time together. Now, I get it. If you have kids Saturday and Sunday, you're not really going to, you know, be alone with each other. You're going to have the kids. And so maybe you do, um, you know, Friday for yourself. And then Saturday and Sunday, you split between, you know, doing family activities and, you know, 
going through and kind of flirting and playing with your spouse, you know, while you're, you know, enjoying family activities, you know, keep the, you know, flirting and all of that, uh, you know, PG, you know, in front of the kids at least, you know, but you go through and you enjoy doing the activities, have fun, run around, laugh. You know, it's a great way to also get rid of a lot of stress and just find a way to, you know, calm down. Now, if you don't have kids, well, these are three good days for you. These are days uh, that you would be able to go through and spend it between, you know, uh, sex during the day and activities during the day and being able to just be fully present. Now, after Valentine's Day, right, is over. You know, that doesn't mean that you get to go through and be lazy on the relationship. You know, you should still find one day a week, you know, whether that's, you know, a night a week, you know, one night a week, you know, after work or, you know, maybe you choose every Saturday or every Sunday where you do turn off all the electronics and you just spend that time together, spend or at least the majority of it. Maybe you set aside a time where, you know, if you can't do the entire day, you know, um, for whatever reason, you know, that you pick a portion of the day where everything is turned off. You know, the computers are off, all the electronics are off, and, you know, for a few hours at least per week, you know, uh, you know on a weekend, you are just focused and fully present uh, on the relationship. You know, the whole point here is, you know, Valentine's Day gets this big hype, you know, flowers, chocolates. I mean, shoot, I've known someone who, you know, uh, years ago, who thought the perfect Valentine's Day gift was a box of chocolate, a bouquet of flowers, and a box of condoms. You know, so, I mean, that's how much, you know, sex and all of that becomes part of the thought process of Valentine's Day. But that can't be, you know, your primary and only focus, and it shouldn't be relegated to that day. Now, of course, the box of condoms, they weren't married yet, you know, so, you know, that's, you know, the, the deal there. You know, but you should be focusing and picking out one day a week in which you think of it like Valentine's Day. You know, where it is just a solid, not uninterrupted focus on your partner, on your spouse, you know, any of that. You know, it's just that important. Now, if you're not careful with your relationship, you know, if you're not putting in any focus, intentionality, or, you know, putting any effort into it, the relationship itself will erode away. I eventually, you know, if you don't really spend time together, do anything together, or, you know, focus on anything, you 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 become basically strangers. You become roommates, you know, uh, roommates with benefits or friends with benefits. Well, shoot, I wouldn't even say friends with benefits. You just become roommates with benefits. You know, if you're not putting any effort or intentionality into your relationship, and that's not a good way, you know, for your relationship to go. If you want to, you know, provide for a good marriage, you do need that intentionality. And plus, if you have kids, you need to point out that you need to set an example for your kids, for how a marriage is supposed to be, how each person treats each other in the marriage. Remember, you know, more is caught than taught when it comes to children. You know, and so if you have, let's say, a daughter and you want, you know, her to know what type of man, you know, that she needs to be looking for in order to have a happy marriage later on in life, you know, then you need to be that man for your wife, right? And if you have a son, you know, you not only need to teach him you know, how to treat his wife good, you know, his future wife good, but how to be a good husband and intentional, how to, how to model a good marriage. And that's part of, you know, what it, what this is, you know, about, you know, ch- and you're going to change 
your family tree, showing them how to be in a relationship, you know, a good relationship. You know, and when you take a look at people who are successful in life, whether, you know, that's financially, career-wise, or in any particular aspect of their life, but most importantly, financially successful, studies have shown that, you know, these people, you know, the, the, you know, the super rich, the really happy, you know, they have a few things in common. And one of those things is a great marriage that involves a high level of communication and affection. Now, that's not the one and only secret to, you know, a successful life and a great marriage, but that is one of the, you know, not only common items, but it's up there high on the list. I mean, when you start going down the list and people become, you know, less and less successful, you know, a great strong marriage with high communication, you know, becomes less and less of that relationship. And so, you know, having that high level of communication and, you know, constant display of affection for each other creates a happier life. And that happier life helps you to tackle on, you know, so many other things, you know, uh, throughout, you know, your career or life and all of that, that you're able to focus on the success and be much more productive in accomplishing your life's goals. So when we take a look at this, Valentine's Day is not really a one day a year, you know, a day of romance. It should be something that you do, you know, consistently throughout the year. All right. So I'd like to thank you so much uh, for your time and attention. And, you know, if you look at the uh, show notes uh, in the description below, You'll be able to find ways uh, that you can help support and grow uh, the podcast, whether it's through the merchandise store, direct contribution, or just sharing the podcast uh, with your friends and family, you know, and let them, you know, uh, listen as well. You know, uh, any one of those ways, you know, helps support and grow uh, the podcast. Now, I'd like to thank you so much uh, for your time and attention, and I will be back again soon.